And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's the Ed and Bob Show, number 170. Woo! There you go. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We've talked the whole night long. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. To you. Who? And you and you and you. Good there you go. Morning. Good morning. It's great to stay up late. Good morning. Good morning. No, it's not good to stay up late. No, no, Mr. Bradley. It is good to hear your voice, buddy. You sound like a million dollars. Thank you. Oh, there you go again. Well, you maybe doing, maybe a half a million. I don't know. Yeah, I'm doing well. Doing well, man. Yeah, good, good talk to percolating you a little bit here. You know, we're at the end yeah. of September. Um, you know, a, a lot of leaves are falling now, and um, yes. it won't be long before Ed will have to start buying, uh, you know, Christmas gifts for all those uh, 40 <laughs> grandkids he has. Oh, my gosh. How many grandkids are you up to? I have seven. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, seven. And now they're talking about and two of two of my uh, daughters-in-law. Well, one's my mm -hmm. daughter and the other one's the daughter-in-law. And they have girls, and they're thinking about going for boys. Now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my you know, gosh. So, that's all Woo. right. More oh, the merrier, buddy. The more the merrier. I love you, every one of them. You got that right, baby. I got six, and you're exactly you right. There you go. Well, this is the Ed and Bob Show. I'm um, I'm Bob. He's Ed, and Mr. Yeah. Brantley is uh, uh, obviously a legend in radio in East Tennessee, and we're lucky to do this do this uh, podcast, 170 shows, and we're glad to be here. So let's kick this thing into gear, Mr. Brantley, and we look back on things that happened in the last part of September over the years. What do you got? Well, let's see. Uh, back in 1908, it was the first factory-built Ford Model T was completed. Oh, I remember that. I bought that one, I think. You did. They're still yeah. around. You know, <laughs> they, they really are. I see them all the time at parades and stuff. I think they've been redone a little bit. You I wonder think? how much that first one cost. Probably, what do you think, $300 maybe? I was going to say 150 or something. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Something like that, yeah. Wow. Very much. Also, in 1962, boy, I remember 62 like it was yesterday. Yep. Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, wasn't that a hit? That's when the show started. You know why it was a hit for me? Then one day, shooting at a coon, up from the ground came a bubbling brew. Whoa. Texas tea. Yeah. <laughs> you know why I watch the Beverly Hillbillies? Because you like that girl, that's why. Ellie May. Yeah. Out by the cement pool. I don't know why she never put one of those bikinis on out by the cement pool. Yeah, she had some uh, or, No, cement so pond, wasn't it? Cement yeah, pond. pond. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. That was funny. Also, also uh, over across the big lake, the mm -hmm. Beatles released the Abbey Road album in the U.K., wow. Made wow. that road famous. It's still there. It's mm -hmm. got, well, of course, the road's always there, but that crosswalk is still there. People go there and have their picture made. You know, we, when we went there, uh, we went there in 90, I want to say 90, no, it would have been uh, 2001, something like that. And we, we went down, we had a, a driver took us down to Abbey Road, and you know where that famous crosswalk is. And we, he took our picture, uh, and we, we crossed the road, and I, it was me and my wife and, and Jake. Jake went barefoot, and um, because Paul McCartney is barefoot, and I don't know if anybody else did or not. Anyway, can't find that picture. Oh, no. We've looked everywhere. Wow. Can't wow. find that picture. Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you, if I, had, if I had thought of it back then, I would have bought a camera and gone down there and just put up a little card table and say, let me take your picture <laughs> while you're here. I'll, I'll send it to you, you know? It's yeah. amazing, really. Oh, my gosh. Everybody does. Yeah. I mean, it's infamous, infamous. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's true. Wow. Okay. Also, uh, 19, what else? 1964. Mm-hmm. The Warren Commission published official verdict for the assassination of President John F. Kennedy 
saying that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I don't. I do not believe that. I mean, I believe that report came out as that way, but I do not. Uh, and I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I do not think Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. And because he was assassinated by Jack Ruby, and Jack Ruby's family was taken care of for the rest of their life for what you know he did. Mm -hmm and he was dying of cancer mm -hmm. and that, that was so it was so obvious mm -hmm. am, am i wrong do you what do you are you think it no, was I just agree. lee harvey I agree. no i agree yeah i, I don't agree. like lee harvey oswald was some mental giant that said oh i've got to go kill the president yeah you know no i'm not even sure he could have pulled that shot off you and i have shot guns before now i'm not by any means a, a, a expert shot but even for an expert shot with the weapons of that day, yeah. with a moving car moving yeah. away from you at an angle, that's a tough shot. Yes, it is. Yes, so, it is. So I think, yeah. do you think it's, uh, do you think the mafia had something to do with it or what do you think? Somebody that the Kennedys ticked off. Yeah. Whether it was the mafia or whether it was Russia or whoever, but I think the Warren Commission was a cover-up. Yeah. I really, I, I really do believe that. I re it's changed one thing. You don't see politicians riding around in convertibles anymore. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, you know that car that um, that Kennedy was killed in. Mm -hmm. You know what happened to it? Mm -mm. Johnson had it uh, after it was through with the evidence and all that. And the, Johnson had it brought back to Washington, D.C. He had them um, obviously clean it completely. Uh, they put um, a hard top on it and they put uh, armored uh, stuff in the sides and everything. And three more presidents used that very same car. Wow. Nixon was the last one to be driven around in it. So it turned into a limousine with a hard top. I guess yes. it's painted black and all of that. Yeah. What about I, that? I, I, he, I, um, Johnson did not want it to be turned into a souvenir, mm -hmm. which is interesting. I almost, do you think it should have been sent off somewhere to be displayed or should it like Johnson said, not be turned into some kind of iconic, terrible Go, moment in history. Know, like in Pigeon Forge or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. With Elvis's cars, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, James Dean. James Dean. He died in a car crash. Uh, in what year 19, was that? 1955. I don't wow. remember that. 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor becomes the first female U.S. Supreme Court justice in history. You know I met her. You did? I actually gave her a ride. <laughs> Come on. I'm serious. I swear to God. Yeah. Um, I was in Aspen, Colorado working, and they said, would you go pick up um, Sandra Day O'Connor at the airport? And I said, well, pff, duh. And uh, I drove down, met her. She came in on a private plane. And I picked up, uh, you know, got her luggage. And we walked to the car. And uh, I drove her into her hotel. And we spoke and talked. And um, she was a delightful woman. It was just me and her. And I took her to her hotel. And uh, She had no security I, with her? No. Wow. Nothing. And, and the fact that... Um, I didn't have my picture taken with her or something, <laughs> but she was just a very nice woman. It's probably where that other picture is. <laughs> well, yeah, you got that right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, me and Sandra Day O'Connor in a picture. I mean, my God, that. would that be a picture or what? And I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm taking it for granted. It's no big deal. God, that's nuts. It was a big deal. Oh God, I, I can't believe it. All right, we got one more here, Ed. We got to talk okay. about it. Uh, 1982, September 29th, 1982. Flight attendant Paula Prince bought a bottle of Tylenol mm -hmm. in Chicago. And she was dead within a day or two. 
Um, this is when, you know, you, you mentioned it in our last show about when things, something happens that things change forever. Yep. Um, the Tylenol bottle had been laced with cyanide and um, by a guy who was friggin' nuts. And they killed what was it, seven people, yeah. something like that. Um, uh, yeah, seven people died in Chicago from that. Uh, he put cyanide in the Tylenol capsules in Chicago in this drugstore. Well, back and, then you could take the capsules apart. Too. Yeah, yeah, you could just open up the bottle. It, they were not sealed. Mm -hmm. I mean, young people listening to us right now are going, what? You could just pick them up off the shelf. Listen, there was no, they were not sealed. They were not nothing. You could open them up, look at, you could take a few out, put it back on and walk away. And now, my God, they're sealed two or three times before you can get to them. You, you know, it takes a court order to get a bottle of Tylenol open. And, but killed uh, seven people and that changed things forever and how you buy uh, medicine. And I, and it, it, uh, United States lost his innocence a little bit then, didn't it, Ed? Yeah, it sure did. That's just another, like the song says, it's another brick in the wall. <laughs> got that right. All right, let's yeah. move along, Ed. Let's right. get into some questions of the day. I know you got one. Yes, I do. Bob, are we in a recession? Um, yes, I think we are. Yes, I do. I agree with you. I, I think we are, and I think... It's more important now than ever before of what uh, our leadership does. Um, our president is not much of a leader, but there's people around him that are making decisions. And I don't know who the heck these people are, but it's going to be very important for them to make right decisions and then for our Congress to make right decisions. Uh, and then these, uh, you know, Fed chairman and people like that, um, that we've got to make right decisions or it's going to be even longer to come out of this than it needs to be. What do you think? Mm -hmm. I think so too. I think so too, because this is a real recession. So it's not yeah. just a couple of day deal. No and, God, no. No. And with the price, you know, oil and food and all that stuff, we're going to have to, we're going to have to watch ourselves. We're going to have to regroup and watch our pennies and our nickels and kind of stop doing what we've been doing and, and get into a recession-minded atmosphere, I think. So. Ed, we're, we're at the, it's in my, and I, maybe I mean, if, if people will say I'm nuts or they disagree with me, I think we're at the edge of a cliff and we need to make right decisions or December could be a very difficult time. You're right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, I got a question for you, Ed. Okay, boss. Um, in this time when, uh, you know, you can't even have animals in a circus, but we have horse racing, which is called the sport of kings, has been around for a long time. Is, is this, do you think this will continue or are having animals do things for our pleasure going to end. I mean, they can't be in a circus now, we, but we still have them racing with God knows what kind of drugs in their system. And I know you love horses. So, and then you, I don't know, you, you may be a big horse racing fan. So I really am looking forward to hearing your opinion. No, I'm not a fan of horse racing, but I do, I do admire a beautiful stallion. I really do. And and it is, these horses are so beautiful and they, they really pour their heart out on the track. But the reason why horse racing is so popular is because of the gambling. I mean, you can, you know, let's face it, you can't gamble on an elephant in the circus, but you can gamble on a horse. And, mm -hmm. and it, it, it's a lot of money's been won and lost and things like that. And it's a good way to, you know, people spend the day down at the track and, and uh, have some good food and, and uh, enjoy the races, but the horses are just fabulous. They're just beautiful. But where are your uh, animal activists when it comes to horse racing? Well, I think they realize that there's no reason to go out there and, and, and try to fight it. it it's not going to happen. 
Uh, I mean, I, they'd, <laughs> they'd be run off the track. <laughs> you you <laughs> think it's really that much uh, opposition on the other side? No, I don't. Wow. They know that they're not hurting these horses. Horses love to run. That's what they do. You know, that's right. what they do. That's what they do in the field. Now, some of them run run a lot better than others, but that's what. And and the reason why <laughs> these horses die is they overdrug them, and they don't need to do that. You know, it's like those Tennessee walking horses at the UT games years ago. They would put weights on them and make them, and their their feet would be just the hair would be off of it. It, it just it was so painful for them to pick their feet up that high. So that was man's problem. It wasn't the horse's problem. You know, they're mm -hmm. not, they're not born to do that. So, but, but the horses do love to run. So you could, you know, you pick up a good horse, you, you could get something going there. You know, I love to watch them. I love All right. Them. All right, Ed, tell everybody what our topic of the day is. And then you've got a sponsor. Okay, our topic of the day is going to be homelessness in the United States, and I'm really looking forward to getting into this. Um, are we the number one in the world again with that? My, my sponsor is Weigel's. It's a convenience store chain based out in Powell, Tennessee. Now, and they've always been in Powell. They've never been anywhere else, and it's a family-owned business. Billy Weigel's expanded the idea how he's, you know, he started that little walk-in milk store back in 1964, and it became one of the first convenience stores in Knoxville. And now they do, they have kitchens, and they do special milks, and they have do all this. It's wonderful. It's not just gas anymore. So uh, I hope you'll stop in at Weigel's and tell them thank you for what they do for the community, too, because Weigel's does a lot. You know, they have a milk fund around Christmas. And they raise a lot of money to, to um, help those in need. But it's a private company. It's not publicly owned, and they're good people. Don't you think they are? I think they're wonderful people. I tell you, when I think about Weigel's, uh, you're, you're talking about that milk fund. My mom always used to, uh, she still does, uh, donate to that. And um, I can remember the first Weigel's. I have kind of an attachment to it. When, my first, when I was a kid and I moved to Knoxville, my parents moved here with uh, two kids and $50 and no job. And, but dad wanted to get away from the mines in Appalachia, Virginia. We, um, we, we lived with my great uncle in a house on Magnolia. Mm -hmm. And um, he, we were sent to the dinner table one night and a guy came to the front door while we were having dinner and my great uncle got up, went to the door and uh, there's an old guy at the door, you know, in overalls and stuff and old pickup truck. And uh, my dad said, who was that? And he said, that was an oil man wanting to buy my property. He said, my dad said he was, he was an oil man. He said, well, no, he says he's an old farmer. He wanted to buy my the house here and he was offering way too much money. He said, he's definitely an oil man. And dad said, and dad said, oh, I, I, I don't, I think you're wrong. A week later, the guy came back in a limousine mm -hmm. in a suit and offered him twice what he offered him the first time. And they put a gas station on that corner. Oh. And then that gas station location across the street from there was the first Weigel's. Wow. Yeah, I mean, the first Weigel's in East Knoxville, they're mm -hmm. on Magnolia, right across the yeah. street from that gas station. So I feel kind of a, a, a kinship to that location. You do, there. don't you? I do, man. All right, let's see. Uh, Ed, I know I got long-winded there, but let's get into this. Our topic of the day is homelessness. Well, you know, to hear uh, people talk in the United States, we are the only country in the world to have a problem with homelessness. And... Um, the truth is, that's not true. No. And you know, the truth is, there's always been homeless people. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with them. It doesn't have to do with no more mental illness places and things, but a lot of it just has to do with them. Mm -hmm. and, and Bob, we've done some research on this. You want to tell them where the most homeless people are in the world? Uh, yeah, I can. Look, I'm looking at this list here, and... Um, you know, that what they do is they uh, say, like, what countries have the most homeless people on an average day? Mm -hmm. And uh, Nigeria 
has an average of about 24 million people homeless every day. Pakistan is 20 million. Egypt's probably worse e than that now with the flood. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. Egypt, Egypt. I mean, to me, in my mind, I always think of Egypt as being a well-to-do country. Mm -hmm. 12 million people a day are homeless, which is twice as much as Syria, which I think of as a war-torn country. Mm -hmm. um, Colombia, which is another country I think of it's, that got a lot of money coming through there. Five million people a day are homeless. Afghanistan, I thought would be number one, and they're only 46, 4.6 million people homeless a day. Um, China, I bet is more than what they say, which is two and a half million people a day. Uh, what else you got there, Mr. Brantley, as we go down well, the list? Well, I was looking down, you know, Mexico, which I thought would be a lot of homeless people because they're mm -hmm. all trying to get to America. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not 456,000. That's half that's a million it. people, that's it. That's it. That's a low number, buddy. The United States has 580,466 homeless people on the last lesson. United that's, Kingdom. that's really amazing. Yeah, it really is. But, you know, I, I think most of the homeless that I've seen in the United States, now there's, there's different categories of homeless. You know, you have people who've lost their job and living in their cars or whatever, and then they're homeless, but they're trying to work out of it. And then right. you have the addicts, the drug addicts, who are living on the street corner, looking for their mm -hmm. next shot and all that. Right. They're homeless, and they're, that's what gives homeless people a bad name, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and then you have the people who are mentally disturbed that are homeless, who don't, can't work, they don't have any idea what world they're in, and, and, and they're homeless. So there's different categories of homelessness in the United States, and, and I guess that's true in the world too, but uh, I always looked at that back when I was doing those talk shows on the radio that you know you, you can't classify everybody as the same thing. Uh, there are different reasons for homelessness. You know, Ed, uh, you and I were on county commission and we dealt with this problem, um, which, uh, and we remember when we uh, tried to help open this, um, place on Western Avenue, and there was so much opposition to it, yeah. to where um, <clears throat> a, a homeless person could have a choice of going in their program and trying to get out of this vicious cycle of being arrested, back on the street, arrested, back on the street, and you know, and, and they had a choice, the officer would give them a choice of going to this location and trying to get out of it or going to jail, and, and if they would try to go to this program. They were there for a week or so. And, and you know, and you, and I don't know if you know it or not, that place is no longer, it didn't work. No. It didn't work. So, but there are some people, if you went down, there are some people who are homeless, that if you went down there and gave them a half a million dollars, they could not handle living in a house. They, they couldn't handle the whole, because they don't want responsibilities. They don't want the organization. They don't take, they want to take everything that comes with having a job and living in a house, living in an apartment, buying groceries. They don't want to, they, they don't, they can't deal with it. Well, yeah, and that's what I mean. There's different, there different um, levels and reason for homelessness. And, and that's one where mental illness goes into it. Mm -hmm. And also, uh, you know, and there's there's some, you know, you, you've heard stories about people going up to someone on the street and offering, just giving them money, and they said, no, I don't want it, because they could get them killed, and, yeah. and um, all kinds of things like that. But it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a problem. If, and and then, then you have the people who want to get rid of them because they're messing up business or making their business look bad. Sure. And that doesn't help, but, uh, you know, and put them all in one place. Well, mentally either. ill and people are addicted, um, like you said, give the people who have just lost their job or they're struggling or whatever and living in their car or whatever, that's two different things. And, and you, you're exactly right. And, and before, before we get here, I want to go a little bit further down this list because the United States, you said, was a little bit over a half a million people every day are homeless. But... Germany, 
237,000 people a day. France, 300,000 a day. Uh, Vietnam, there's fewer homeless people per day in Vietnam than the United States. And I looked at that average. That's about 17, well, like the United States has about 17 people per half a million that are homeless. Vietnam has about 16 people per half a million. So I'm telling you, even Vietnam, it's not as bad. Look at um, Russia. That's what's shocking to me. Tell everybody what Russia is. Russia has 64,000 people homeless. That's about four in that category of... Uh, uh, for every half a million. Half a million, yeah, for every half a million. Is that, and, is that just crap and not true? Or I don't understand that. Well, I, I don't know if it's not true or not, but i tell you what, I know the winters in Russia are pretty damn cold. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think I won't be homeless over there. But anyway, and I don't think they have things to... I don't think they go to all the... Russia does not go to the level that, that the United <laughs> States does of finding services to help these people you know in the united states you have these homeless shelters and you, you mm -hmm. sleep here tonight and all of that i don't think they do that in russia so in russia you're either on your own or you got to find your own way and i think that helps some but well italy italy and greece are like 40 and fifty thousand people a day are homeless spain only 30 israel twenty-five thousand a day are homeless austria twenty-two thousand South Korea, only two people per half a million people are homeless. Mm -hmm. Ireland, six, only uh, 8,000 people are homeless there. And uh, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, well, I think that has a lot to do with the environment and, the, and, and what the community. And, and, you know, if you, if, you, if, you look, if you look at the history of some of these places... Yeah. And, and if there, there's got to be a reason why you're homeless. And, and the worst thing I can think of is to be a single parent, be homeless, living in your car and have children. Yeah. And, yeah. and you can't find any way out of that. I mean, it's just, you know, because if you go look for a job, you got the kids, you got to have somebody to watch your kids. You got to, you know, get gas money. And, and it, it's, it's, uh, it's now I'll tell you some place that they're not a lot of homeless is Thailand. And, and that, that shocks a lot of people. Thailand you think it's a culture? The, yeah, it's a, one of the friendliest countries in the world. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, I think they just try to take care of you, but they have 0.4%. Do you think a lot of uh, countries where families live together for yeah. all gener generations, that maybe yeah. that prevents homelessness? Yes, I think it does. I really do. All right, well, we could talk about this for a long time, but I think it's uh, um, something that, uh, I guess what we're going to say is it was in, uh, there were people who were homeless in the Bible, and there will always be people that are homeless. Yes, there will be. And you're not going to end it. So if you hear somebody say we're going to end homelessness, then there's something else going on there. You can do everything you can to help people who are homeless, but you're not going to necessarily in homelessness. Mm -hmm. So, all right, Ed, uh, let's move along. Um, tell everybody what's coming up, and I got a sponsor. Oh, I got some mailbox. I got a great letter here. I can't wait Ooh. to get to this. Oh, boy, all that's right. a good one, too. So, what's your sponsor? My sponsor's Ben Lucky. It's over there on Middlebrook Pike. I love this. You're going to have Ben Lucky. You're going to save money, save, save, save. This is where you get those Christmas gifts for uh, you, you can save money just go in there and buy about 20 of them and you know say well i'll give this to that person i'll give this to that person what they do is you send things back to home depot walmart lowe's uh amazon they do not go back for sale they are wholesaled out by the tractor trailer load on Wednesday and Thursday, tractor trailers back up to Ben Lucky. They unload them. They never know what they're going to get. And then on Friday morning, they open up and every single item is brand new and they're all $7. I don't care if it was $30, whatever it was, $7. Saturday, five bucks. Sunday, $3. It keeps going down till Monday. It's a dollar. And if anything is left on Tuesday, it's 50 cents. 
Wednesday and Thursday, they reload more tractor trailer trucks back in there. And here we go, baby. They're saving some money. Been lucky on Middlebrook Pike across from the KUB substation. Get on down there and save yourself some money and do like me and Ed. We we like to get lucky. Yeah, I think I think that's a good way to start a business too. You go in there and get those things and kind of put it online and say, look what I got here today. You can, you there can are a lot of people that. that do eBay stores that shop there. Yeah, You're exactly right. I'll bet. I'll bet. No brainer. Yep. All right. Get the mailbox going. There we go. Here's the first letter, Edwin from San Diego. The question, does air traffic control radar stretch across the oceans? Are planes flying over the ocean always on radar? I know Mr. Brantley knows the answer to this. Yes, and the answer is no, they're not always on radar. What? So, I thought this is the earth. We have got radar everywhere on earth. <laughs> well, these the planes, if you, if you go to the airport, and watch mm -hmm. the planes that are flying to Europe, for instance, in the evening. Yeah. They all leave around 5 o'clock or something. And they fly yeah. together in a pack. So, you know, they're talking to each other, helping each other, and that's the radar. So with, until they get about 100 miles close to Europe, they're, they're not on radar. They're just out the, there. Really? They're flying yeah. blind? You know, well, they're not flying blind. They, you know, they have that navigation and all that on the planes, but they're not on radar necessarily they have they have radar from other planes but they're you know out in the middle of the ocean you don't need radar you just that's why them. that plane i don't know seven eight nine ten years ago that went off course and yep. i don't know what ocean it was because it wasn't on radar was it no it was not on radar. and they never found that plane no they didn't so they stay like if you're flying to england they also kind of stay in a lane is that what they do yeah, and they kind of stay together and they talk to each other and, you know, you're just kind of the buddy-buddy. And, and that, plane, that plane that was lost years ago that you're talking about was going from South America to London and it was going across the, the, the Atlantic Ocean and there was, it wasn't in a flight pattern. There wasn't other planes doing that. So mm. I think that's what happened wow. there. Anyway. That, you know, that is amazing. I never knew that. Yeah. So it's planes talking to planes, the pilots talking to pilots. Mm -hmm. Not they're not talking to somebody in London going, three forty-seven heavy, coming in hot there, big guy. <laughs> All right, what else you got, Mr. Bradley? Well, I got another one here. Let's see. Uh, what's this one here? Frankie from Crossville, Tennessee. I love this mm -hmm. one. Can you be buried on your own property in Tennessee? No, I can bury my dog out in my backyard. I can't bury my family, can I, Ed? Yes, you can. What? Absolutely, buddy. I learned so much for this. This is amazing to me. And this, this has been written by an attorney. Yeah. But uh, each state has different laws. Now, we're just talking about Tennessee. So you folks in Kentucky and other places, you got to check with your own state. But this is just about Tennessee. Right. So you get a death certificate in, in Tennessee from you know the person who signed off on the death and all of that. But I think what we're talking about here is is the good things. Can you who who completes a death certificate? It's a physician who directed the care for the patient. Right. And it, this has always been a question in my mind: Is embalming required? Is it? No, there are no laws or regulations requiring embalming in the in Tennessee. And the embalming is where the blood is drained from the body and replaced with fluids that delay disintegration. Embalming so embalming is, is just to, for the family's pleasure in the process of the funeral? It's, it's rarely necessary, and, and to be honest with you, because refrigeration serves the same purpose of keeping the body. So if really? You, if you, yeah, how about that? I'm learning so much right here, right now. I am That's too. amazing. I mean, oh I've my God. This, I've read this over and over and over. And, and it's. Wow. Yeah. So can, can, go ahead. Well, I was, the next is, is Tennessee, is a casket necessary for burial or cremation? Well, I would think yes. No. It's not. No. It's we can slap, it, they can, my family can just take my body and throw it out there in the hole? 
Well, I'm not throwing a hole, but no law requires a casket for burial. However, you should check with a cemetery if you're going to be buried in a cemetery. And if you're going to be buried oh. in a cemetery, you're going to have to have a casket. You'll probably have yeah. to have uh, 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 something for the casket to go into to keep it from rotting. There are All different right. rules about that. But if you're just going to bury them in the backyard, you don't have to have a casket. <laughs> I did not know that. So you would have kept your farm and if you had done that, so you could be buried out there in the backyard. Oh, heck yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I could have saved you a could lot have of your, money. You could have your bull out there running over your burial well, problem. I could have been buried next to the bull, you know. But there hey, you go. <laughs> but it, that's just amazing. But Are you them, kidding me? I, no. You can actually be buried on private property, your own property? Yes. Wow. And no law requires a casket for cremation. On the contrary, federal law requires a funeral home or crematory to inform you that you may use an alternative container and to make such containers available to you. An alternative I always wondered about that. Buy a $15,000 casket and then burn it. Yeah. An alternative container may be made of unfinished wood, pressed wood, fiberboard, cardboard. Wow. Yeah. So uh, let's get something? back to burying on the private land. Oh, okay. So um, let, let me ask this. Let's say you buried Mr. Brantley out there on, uh, on the Ponderosa in Hardin Valley. Um, would it make it tough to then sell that property later for your ancestors? Well, it could. You also have to identify <laughs> where the body's buried. You know, you can't just... <laughs> <laughs> and you also have to identify when you spread ashes and things. It has to be identified that there's ashes. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with the ashes. I always thought that ashes were kind of dangerous, but they're not. But there's no law requiring a casket for burial. You should check with the cemetery. They have different rules and different types of containers. But now I wouldn't mess with the cemetery because they're going to tell you you're going to have to do it. But let's talk about cremation for a moment. No law requires a okay. casket for cremation. On the contrary, right. federal law just requires a funeral home to make a container available to you. In Tennessee, wow. do you have to buy a casket from a funeral home? No. Federal law requires funeral homes to accept caskets that consumers have purchased from Walmart or any other online retailer. You can also so I can buy one from Amazon, have it shipped to the house? Yeah, you can build one. <laughs> build one? Yeah, you just <laughs> build it. Well, I'll, me and you will get together and we'll build our own caskets. There you go. Well, I've got my own bath. I've got a box. I'm looking at it right now up here. Most bodies. <laughs> got a little eight by eight. Oh. <laughs> now, where can bodies be buried in Tennessee? You ready? Okay. Yeah, most I'm ready. Lay it on me. Most of them are buried in cemeteries, but there's no state law in Tennessee that prohibits burial on private property. Local governments may have rules governing private burials. However, before conducting a home burial, check with the town or county clerk or local health department for any rules you must follow. If you do wow. bury a body on private land, you should draw a map of the property showing the burial ground and file it with the property deed so the location will be clear to others in the future and there won't be any of these ghosts coming up out of the ground. And <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing to me. It, it is really amazing. is good. You know, when I first, uh, when I, and this came to my mind, well, I remember when Elvis Presley died and he was buried in his backyard. Yeah. By, by the pool, I think. And I'm thinking, well, yeah. you, you can't do that, can you? Yeah, you can. And and I think his mom and dad are buried there at Graceland. That's right, but I'm you can mistaken. do that. There's In Tennessee, the laws are pretty weak, I guess. But in Tennessee, there's no state law controlling where an individual may keep or scatter ashes. Ashes can be stored in a crypt, a niche, grave, container, and home. And if you wish to scatter ashes, you have lots of options. Wow. Cremation renders ashes harmless, so there's no public health risk involving scattering ashes. I didn't know oh, that. Really? Use common sense and refrain from scattering ashes in places where it would be obvious to others because they kind of feel weird about that. Yeah. Scattering well, ashes. 
does this mean you uh, does it give you a different opinion of what you want to do or has your wife already told you what you're doing well she's kind of told me I, i'm i have this box <laughs> i do i have this box in my office and it's that's where my ashes are going to be going and and and, oh. and and if i die first i'll be in that box and then when linda dies that box will be sitting on her lap and her hands will be wrapped around it <laughs> gotcha yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see her doing that. Yeah. So you scattering ashes on public land. How about this? You risk a check with those city and county regulations and zoning rules before scattering ashes on public land, such as a city park. However, many people simply proceed as they wish, letting their best judgment be their guide. So just go out there and spread your ashes if you want to. <laughs> you can do that now. Oh my God. Now, I got in trouble on this. Well, I didn't get in trouble, but it, uh, scattering ashes by air. Back when I had my airplane, right. they make a sock that right. you put out the little window and you can pour ashes. Well, they fell upon me to put ashes over the Smokies for his mama. And, but yeah. there's no state laws or anything about this. No federal aviation laws prohibit dropping any objects that might cause harm to people. The U.S. government does right. not consider cremation a hazardous material. All should be well, you know, just, I put the ashes in that tube and it goes out the window. Well, unfortunately, yeah. the wind was going the other way and it blew all those ashes back inside the airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going up your nose and... Yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> God. We got to vacuum the plane back out when we get back. Oh, my God. I, brought, oh. I, I didn't tell him oh. about his mother, but I brought Violet home with me. <laughs> Bless her heart. Well, she had a good ride. Yeah, she did. It's funny. Wasn't it? Some of that well, let me ask you a question. You, okay. you brought up a, a question that maybe you didn't realize you did. I had heard that you can't put someone else's ashes in your casket with a dead body. So, like, for example, you said your wife's going to have your ashes in her hands when she dies in her casket. But well, is that against the law? No, it's not. I checked on that, and it's perfectly legal to do that. Oh, okay. So it's, it's okay. Because my wife also wants all our dog's ashes in hers. And it's I'm okay. Like, oh, it's, yeah. That's okay. You, and now you we're doing animals. Yeah, now you can put on the tombstone or whatever who all is in there, and that's okay. I mean, that's all right. So Here lies mm -hmm. uh, all the pets and the dogs and the guineas. And the, all right, we've worn this out. Good Lord have mercy. We should have We're marrying everybody. Yeah, we could. I might have no idea. Yeah. Very, very informative, Mr. Brantley. Thank you. All right, I don't even know where we're at, but let's move well, along. Uh, this is the Ed and Bob show, and we're complaining now. That's what we're doing. Right. You got a complaint? Okay. Yeah, I, well, it's not really a complaint. It's a question. It's more than anything else. Gas or electric? You know, right now, it's, it's not a good time to go all electric because, like in California, you know, you, you, people are lining up to charge their electric cars, and there's not enough electricity to do it. So, to be yeah. honest with you, I'm going to stick with some gas in my tank for a while and um, I don't think we're right up to and all these people on Western or down Western Drive driving these electric cars watch out you know because if you well, don't let have me ask you a question about that but um, you know you hear California is having brownouts mm -hmm. they said you couldn't run your air conditioner between two and eight every night but yet they're telling everybody no gas-powered cars by some year in the close near future. So how's that work? Because that's well, when not, your cars will be being charged. Yeah, it's not going to work. It's just not. That's not going to work. You can't. You can't do away. You unless the the electric grids in this country are going to have to change substantially before we can actually go all electric. But I know the politicians want to do that, and they want to talk about it, and they look good doing that. But it's. The grids aren't ready for that. California can't do it. Now, a wow. few people, you know, if you take a certain amount of the population, a small amount, and let them have electric cars, that's okay. 
But you know, a lot of people that are buying electric cars, when they get home and want to plug it up, they're surprised that you can't do that. You can't mm. plug it in a regular plug. It doesn't work. No, my, no, it's like a, it's like a two twenty double. They're four forties or something crazy. Yeah. Was, and then, and then done. I see, I see on the news in California, all these cars lined up waiting on a charge station because they don't have enough charge stations. So, no, know, we don't have the infrastructure by any means. No. So I'm gonna keep yeah. a little gas handy just in case. <laughs> All right, um, uh, the, my complaint uh, here, Ed, is that, uh, you know, we um, we talked about it a little bit before, but, uh, you know, about medicines and things like that. But we're talking about the Tylenol and I think, you know, how it's now safer and everything's sealed and all that. But our... our all the medicines we have that are out there now that every every time I turn on TV, there is some medicine they're talking about that I've got to have for something that I even know I potentially could be an ailment that I have. And <laughs> you didn't know you had it. Did you? No. So I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to wonder, is there a segment of the medical community that is paid to come up with an ailment that we can convince the people they have a problem with so we can sell them medicine to cure it. Well, Bob, I got to be careful when I say this, but my neighbor does this for a living. He travels mm. around the country and he gets paid a fortune to do it, but he mm. travels around the country and he goes to schools. He talks to professors. He talks to just regular people who have invented a cure for some medicine, for some disease right. or for whatever. And he right. negotiates a contract and, and they sell it to a, a big company, you know, like, well, you know, these big drug companies. Sure. And it, it, yeah. And, and so everybody makes money off of it and, and, and there may not be a need for it. I mean, I, I see the same ads you see. And I turn around, look at my wife, who's a nurse and say, what is that? Do I have that? <laughs> no. Well, and I think back to uh, this is what really kicks it for me is restless leg syndrome yeah when i first heard that i was like what in the hell are you talking about and i'm wondering if people really have this or if we've talked people into believing they have something like that and 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 i don't even know what restless leg syndrome is but are we getting to the point where we're just inventing diseases for people to have so we can sell them drugs. Yes. And that's what I'm complaining about. So Yes, you're absolutely right. Well, then that's wrong. Yes, it is. There's something inherently wrong with that uh, because we've got so many people who are s so worried about everything they do every day. And then if they trust you as a medical company to obviously know what you're talking about because you're a doctor, but they they really, then they start believing it more and more that there's something wrong with them. I think that's not good. Right. So anyway, I agree. All right. right. Tell everybody how they can listen to this show, Ed. All right. The Ed and Bob show is a great show. It's available at edandbob.com or you can download the Apple podcast app, Spotify app, or the TuneIn app. Search Ed and Bob and be sure to subscribe. On the Alexa app, uh, the school settings, enable TuneIn, and then tell Alexa to go to TuneIn. She'll say, what do you want to hear, boys? And tell her exactly this, Ed and Bob show, and you'll be in. Yeah, and, and you heard uh, while you were doing that. It beeped when it heard you say that. Hey, if you want to comment, we love comments. Ed and Bob at, uh, at Yahoo.com. We're on Twitter. Yeah, we're there. I mean, we're hip. Ed and Bob, K-N-O-X. At Ed Brantley, at Bob Thomas, KNOX, and we're on Facebook, of course. Uh, but anything you want to comment, and we love criticism. We can handle it. Just let us know. Lord knows Ed and I have been criticized for years. Years. Been slapped around. <laughs> and we're, we're good with it. Uh, anything you want to apologize for, Ed? No, sir. I had a lot of fun today, though. I can't wait to tell people what I've learned about funerals and burials. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep this. I got a shout out, Jimmy Vineyard, our old buddy from WIVK. I talked oh, to him yeah. last week. 
Uh, he lives in uh, Alabama, and uh, he has he owns a bunch of race cars that he takes all over the place for people to see, and um, he keeps them at in um, in the the um, Hall of Fame or museum there at Talladega. And then when he wants to get them out, he takes them out of the museum and takes them around the country. So how about that? That's good. So there you go. All right, what's the next show about, Ed? The next show, does your dreams mean anything? Should you analyze them? Now, Bob, I know what you dream about. Ooh. These gorgeous 20-year-old women. <laughs> Hey, careful, careful now. Uh, you know, I don't, I, I'm going to be anxious. I don't, I, I don't know. You tell me. What, 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 I'm interested in seeing and listening to this show because um, a lot of people feel like your dreams tell you about what you are. So yeah, that's true. That'll be good. Okay. All right, Mr. Bradley, I enjoyed it. Brother, anything else? No, I love you. I'm going to go eat with you pretty soon. I'm out of the boot, so we can kind of put this together now. We'll get the wild. Oh, fantastic. Let's we'll plan it soon. Okay. I love it. All right, tell everybody hi, Mr. Bradley. Thank you. I'll see you next time. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Bye. How lucky can one guy be? I kissed her and she kissed me Like the fella once said Ain't that a kick in the head